Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a whole new episode of Full Seam Ahead. I'm your host, Zoe. Co-host on the other side, Mr. Cantu. How are we doing today, brother? How are we doing? You know, nervous, excited. I don't think the Astros have been this close. Like, this playoff like atmosphere, this tension in a while. So, that's how we fit in. I want to say the last time Astros fans have felt this way, you got to go back to 2015. And the same schedule was almost, I think it was a line kind of similar to this year's schedule. Last year, I'm not last year, 2015, they had to go travel to Seattle. And then they went to Phoenix to clinch a postseason berth in that wild card to play against the Yankees in 2015. Same scenario here, which, I mean, the defending world champions is playing for, at this point, it looks like a wild card spot, but you don't know what can happen in the American League West because Texas is still trying to clinch. Yeah, no no Yankees, no Red Sox, no Cardinals for the first time in 30 years. That just tells you how historical those franchises are. But, I mean, you said it yourself. It it was a roller coaster, this this series against Seattle. I mean, tempers were flared. Energy was up. Vibes were immaculate, I'm guessing, over there in T-Mobile Park. The boys got it done. They went two for three in that series against the Seattle Mariners. They keep. The, they, they control their destiny as now that they're calling it uh, from AT&T Sportsnet and then just even everywhere that you see on social media and even from the beat writers of the Astros. But, Angel, tell me, man, I mean, we're telling this episode 133, Unplugging Electric Factory, because that's what T-Mobile Park is called for the Seattle Mariners, the Electric Factory. How are we feeling? Give me that one word. Describe the series. I'm feeling pumped. And honestly... I'm feeling pumped because the way the Astros, like how they reacted after that Neris and Julio Rodriguez saga, they went that like the next happening and put up some points. Neris got the job done. He like he wanted yeah. to motivate it. Like he wanted to motivate those guys. Like I feel out of all the pitchers we, like we've seen him out, Neris comes in with so much energy. Like he like every like he throws every pitch that gets his last. Like they like, you know when he's like gets a big out, you can see that emotion flare. And that's what the Astros needed. Like, we're talking off air that something that's, like this team feels like it has no energy. And they're bringing that, rallying the troops, and you saw what happened. They the, the offense took off a little bit after that as well. But I do want to say, like, I know there was this, like, a strain about him saying a racial slur, and that's not what happened. He did have an apology letter that you can find online. But he, like, record show he did not say anything. But, yeah, it was – Nair's got the job done. It was electric feeling. And what I'm curious to see is if that energy like, goes on to Arizona in the heat over there. Because, yes, the Astros are in a good spot. They needed that that third game because if they didn't win that third game, it was a bunch of wishing and hoping. Like, they had to hope this scenario happens, this scenario happens, and that's not where you, that, that, that's not where you want to be. So, like you said, uh, Astros control their destiny. They just got to win. That's it. And if they win all three, they have a chance to win the division. But the way it's looking at is like that's the Rangers division is what we're looking at. But hey, there's a chance. And we'll get more into that in a little bit. But it's going to be a battle. You thought Seattle was a battle? Well, Arizona <laughs> is in the second wild card spot. And that end of wild card spot is close. I think there's two teams, like the Pages are still in it. There's like two teams, like a few teams that it's like by a game and a half, a half a game. So you know they want to win as well. So Astros got to do what they got to do, and it's on the road, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, another crucial series, I'd say, too, against – I mean, you've done it over there in Seattle with one, and then the last one right here, this last series of the 2023 season, you got to do it against the Arizona Diamondbacks, which we'll we'll talk about our preview later, like Angel said, too. We'll talk about the playoff scenarios that the Astros have, but the National League wild card, too. You got San Diego, you got Cincinnati – you got Chicago, you got Miami too. That's still in it, and the Arizona Diamondbacks holding that second wild card spot. But with this series, real quick, I mean, Game One, Justin Verlander got it done for the Astros. Offense was clicking too. Game Two, um, man, there. I mean, a lot of it just did not go the Astros' way. Defense was poor. I mean, three errors is not going to win you a lot. Ball games, runners in scoring position. I believe at the end of the game, it was like two for thirteen uh, with ten left on base. Uh, John Singleton, too, with the bases loaded with no outs. A lot of debate on that. If you would put Michael Brantley in that spot since you did, uh, since Dusty Baker did announce that he was going to be playing 
on the game uh, on Wednesday's game. But, you know, it is what it is. They did lose that game. And game three, obviously, like Angel, you were saying, I mean, Hector Neris's energy, um, you know, Fremer did good, do a good job. But b- before two, just the umpire, the home plate umpire missed a lot of calls in the zone, out of the zone for both teams. I'm not going to say just for the Astros, it was but even ways. for the yeah, it, it was very crucial. Mike Ford with Hector Neris coming up to pitch in that first inning, and Mike Ford was the first batter he's faced and didn't go Ford's way. It was a ball outside, but the blue gave him a strike call. So, um, I mean, it is what it is, man. But you want to lead us off with our shout-outs? I mean, come on. We haven't done shout-outs in a while. But you know we had to bring it out, but no pros and cons. Angel, shout us out. What do you got? Yeah, so we actually have a handful of shout-outs, and mostly offense, we do have some pitching, but let's start with the big man, Jordan Alvarez, who just loves torturing Seattle. That is your um, your king of the sea right there. So Jordan Alvarez, 3 for 12, that's a 250 batting average. He had one double, two home runs, two RBIs, and he was walked three times. Now, I know he's not on our list, but I want to give a mini shout-out to Kyle Tucker because... If you walk the person in front of me three times, that's just telling me that you think he's better than like, than I am. So, like, hats off for him for taking advantage when it mattered the most. Again, Jose Altuve as well. Six for 14s, 429. That's the Altuve Astros fans are used to seeing. One double, one RBI. Again, it's hard to get RBIs in that leadoff spot, but he doesn't get a little bit better at RBI. Uh, like, he's one of the main ones that he, he needs to get better with in the RBI situation as well. And what does Michael Bradley do? Oh, he does his hits. Four for five, 800 batting average. Albeit he played that last game, but yeah, still four for five. And then and he had like a sore shoulder like not that long ago. That's pretty impressive. He had a double, one RBI as well. And then the bat, the swing that was heard, the swing that led this rally, Mauricio Dubon. Yeah, he was two for nine, but that was a big home run. That was a big home yeah. run. If there, there's a chance that Marshall Dumont doesn't get get that home run, you know, this this game could swing at any moment. Because if you see the uh, Mariners scored right back, like they almost cut the like, they cut the lead to one right after that. So you could never know what happens. But it gave the Astros four winning in the fourth, and then the the Hall of a future Hall of Famer Justin Verlander eight innings pitch, three hits, one earned run, walk, eight strikeouts, ninety six pitches, sixty five strikes, and he set the tone for the series, but also he saved the bullpen. Uh, like eight yeah. innings pitched. Uh, because if you see, I think Framber only pitched four, surprisingly. And then mm-hmm. um, how many did um, what's the, the bullpen name? pitched five that last pitched the five innings in that last game of that series? Okay, so there you go. So a little fresher bullpen as well. So it was great. It was great to see on that one. But a lot of, like, again, we had a handful. So a lot of good things happened. The Astros won the series, and now you got to do it in Arizona. Yeah, you do. But before we get on to our playoff scenario, let me throw my last shout-out and my only shout-out to that Astros bullpen. I mean, the Astros bullpen stepped up. You said it right there, that Justin Verlander, that first game, saved the bullpen. He pitched eight innings that game. Only one reliever came in that game, and that was Brian Abreu. After that, the second game, you had uh, Bennett Souza, which Bennett Souza has been really great for the Astros since he's been in that uniform. He was played off waivers from the Detroit Tigers. He's found a home in Houston. Not, you know, it's unfortunate that he won't be used in the postseason. Um, Chandler Rome has more info about that if you go look at his uh, at his social media. But, I mean, Bennett Souza, one in a third, zero hit, zero earned run, zero walks, two strikeouts in four games with the Astros. Five and a third combined, zero hits, zero earned runs, zero walks, seven strikeouts. A lot of zeros on the board. And that could look like a possible lefty that will be in the Astros bullpen maybe next year because the way he's been pitching this second half for the Astros, it's been a very, very, you know, grateful situation for the guys. But the guys that we really got to shout out, like you were saying, that Frember Valdez did throw four innings. That game, which was surprising, but at the same time, too, he, he threw 80 pitches and he threw he had a lot of walks as well. But mentally, the home plate umpire wasn't giving him the calls. But Kendall Graven was the first guy up one inning, one hit, zero and run, zero walks, one strikeout. 
great job on his part. Hector Neris, on the other hand, this is the guy that you said, Angel. He brought the energy. I think somebody had it to do with because the Astros don't have a captain and a vocal leader in that clubhouse. You can maybe say Martin Maldonado, but that guy is long gone now, and that was Carlos Correa. Now he's with the Minnesota Twins, which the Twins have that third seed in the American League postseason race in 23. But Hector Neres, real quick, one inning, zero hits, zero earned runs, one walk, three strikeouts. And, of course, striking out Julio Rodriguez is big because that guy is one of the most electrifying baseball players that you're going to see this season and possibly for a long time, uh, especially for the Seattle Mariners. But after he strike out Julio Rodriguez, he started going towards him, chirping at him. Uh, like you were saying too, Angel, I mean, none of them words were racial, homophobic, nothing like that. They've known each other. They played on the same team in the WBC, the World Baseball Classic this year with the Dominican Republic. Hector Neris and Julio Rodriguez saw each other at the mound when the bench is cleared in Houston with Framber Valdez. I don't think there was anything intentional. There was nothing. It's just the energy of the game. It's just the stakes are high at that moment because you know a win is going to help that team get to the promised land. And I do want to say something. The Astros' game plan on Julio Rodriguez was phenomenal. He didn't record a single hit against the Astros. He was 0 for 4, 0 for 4, and 0 for 5. Wow. So... Like you said, as one of the big guys, that's the guy who rely on. He 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 has a major league record for the most hit in a four game span. Like this, this is legit. And being able to limit him to zero hits, that's phenomenal. Yeah, and especially that last series at Minute Maid Park. I mean, he he put on a show because before they play, he before the uh, Mariners played the Astros, he was doing all that damage at KC. And then he comes to Minute Maid Park and he continues doing the same thing. I believe he won Player of the Week that week uh, when they faced the uh, the Astros in Houston. So you're talking about one of the best players that's that's going to be in the American League West for a while and in the Seattle Mariner uniforms, especially for a while. But Brian Abreu, like I said, Monday, he pitched one inning, didn't give up no hits, no runs, uh, no walks. He did strike out one. This guy is a workhorse. The Astros needed somebody to go at, at least to try to give him two innings because they did throw Rafael Montero. They did throw Ryan Stanek. They did throw Phil Maton on uh, Tuesday night's ball game. So they needed somebody, and Brian Abreu answered the call. One and two-thirds, one hit, zero earned runs, two walks, four strikeouts. He did throw 44 pitches that game on Wednesday night, 27 more strikes. I don't know if it was a career high or a season high, but I, for, for sure I want to say it's a season high because you haven't seen him go two innings plus in a good while, and if he's had gone two innings, it's been under 44 pitches. So credit to Brian Abreu. This guy and the bullpen really, it's going to be Hector Neris and him trying to lock down some new contracts pretty pretty soon. And that, that them two are really important for the Astros' bullpen down the stretch. But real quick, with a little bit of history of Brian Abreu, too, I think he's trying to break some history as well. He has now thrown 26 and two-thirds scoreless innings. The reliever who holds that record in Astros history, Angel, you want to give a, you know, you want to get a crack at this? Let me see. Veteran relievers, you know, old school, would say like Billy Wagner or, you know, those big guys like that. Maybe uh, throw in Roberto Zuna, Presley. What do you got? It is Ryan Stanek, 27 and a third. So he's very close to breaking Stanek's record. And that record was just last year. <laughs> 2022 and it's about to be broken this year in 23 but ryan presley to finish it off america's closer uh the astros closer whatever you want to call him because he did pitch for team usa in the wbc he went one at third one hit zero uh zero hits one walk one strikeout if the bullpen continues to throw like this there is no way and especially if the astros make the playoffs there is no way hitters are going to be able to dominate the bullpen and the Astros bullpen have been one of the best this season. Real quick, I have something on that I saw on AT&T Sportsnet. I did share it with you. But to the fans that's listening right now, AT&T Sportsnet had put this on their broadcast last night after the win. Since September 20th, the Houston Astros bullpen, innings combined 
They have an ERA of 0.67, an opponent batting average of 133, 32 strikeouts ratio to 10 walks. Five shutout innings on Wednesday night's ball game. That just shows you how incredible this bullpen has been for this organization throughout this whole year, especially with starting pitching, the struggles, how it's been since Framber Valdez, uh, second half hasn't been strong. Christian Javier, same thing. Luis, uh, Luis Garcia losing on with Tommy John. Jose Arquiti with the injury. LMJ didn't come back from his injury. Justin Verlander, a little shaky some starts. Just shows you right there how important the Astros bullpen is and will be for the foreseeable future of this season. But, Angel, yeah. let's get – yeah, you want to add on anything no, no, before no. we move on? No, I was going to agree with you. No. Exactly. But playoff scenario, and this time we do got a little thing showing up. Okay. Let's do it. Right there. We're going to post it right there uh, on our YouTube page if you're watching us. We did just uh, post the postseason picture as of right now. So if you're looking at the picture, you got one, you got the Baltimore Orioles as the first seed. The second seed is the Texas Rangers. Third seed is the uh, Minnesota Twins. Fourth seed wild card is the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. Fifth, Toronto Blue Jays. Six, Houston Astros. They take care of that wild card spot as of now. Um, But it could be some interesting moves coming down the stretch. Astros hold an 87-72 record. They're two and a half behind the Texas Rangers for first place in the in the American League West. The thing could shake it up right now, Angel, is the Blue Jays are 87-71. They have one game tonight against the New York Yankees. I don't know if that game has finished or not. But after that, they welcome Tampa Bay to the Rogers Center in Toronto, Canada. So my question to you is, sir, where would you want to be in this wild card spot? Because we will go down the AL West uh talking about the scenarios for the Astros to clinch the West. But as of right now, how do you feel? Do you Would you rather play the Minnesota Twins in Minnesota or would you rather play the Tampa Bay uh, Double Rays in Tampa Bay? I think that was – I mean, no disrespect to the Twins are still a good baseball club, but I, I like the Astros' chances where they're at right now in that sixth seed. Um, the reason is because, again, Tampa Bay at home, they're pretty good. I, I, like as you saw, so Tampa Bay will be the four seed because the, the Astros aren't passing the Tampa Bay Rays. So the Astros, like mm-hmm. if they surpass the Blue Jays, they'll be the fifth seed. So they'll be more good on the on on the road. And yes, they have been great on the road, but Tampa has been great at home. So something would have to give on that one. Mm-hmm. But if I'm looking like p- better picture, right? So the Astros against the Twins, I like that series. They'll be away for most of the games, which would again the way the Astros have been playing away, it might be looking like a little 2019 where you know whoever can play better at home will come up on top. But the matchup that I like is if the Astros are able to surprise the Twins, the Astros have had the Rangers number all season. Mm-hmm. And then that series against Baltimore, like it, it was even, it was 3 3. So that's like a game seven type of game. So whereas the Astros completely dominate the Rangers. So if they stay in that 60, they beat the Twins, they'll go against the Rangers, and then they'll be in the – if, you know, they're able to win, if history of the season, you know, continues, they would be in the AOCS. So, I don't know. I kind of like that 60. What about you? I do, too. I, I do, too. Um, sorry, my phone's in the background, house phone. But um, the Twins, too, on the other hand, I mean, they do got good starting pitching. Which you have uh, Pablo, Pablo, uh, what, what's his name? Pablo I Lopez. I have him on my fancy. Pablo yeah, Lopez. I have him on my fancy. Yeah, uh, fancy Sonny team. Gray. Pablo Lopez, Sonny Gray, and Joe Ryan. In the beginning of the season, if you do remember, the Astros struggled doing, I mean, they struggled hitting against, I think it was Joe Ryan and Sonny Gray in the first two games of the series. I believe they had like 15 plus strikeouts in each game. You got to remember, too, Minnesota hasn't won a playoff game in a good while at home. They haven't won a playoff game in a while, too. I I don't have the numbers in front of me, the last playoff game they've won, but I do agree. I do like the Astros' chances going to Minnesota compared to Tampa Bay. You got Tampa Bay. You have uh, Tyler Glasnow as a starting pitcher. 
I believe, too, they have some other starting pitchers. Go ahead. Give me the facts. So the last twin playoff victory came October 5th, 2004, with Johan Santana grabbing the win on that oh, one. Gosh. And guess who took the loss? Is it a former Astro? No. Hall of Famer. What's the team? Uh, I think it was against the Yankees, I believe. The Yankees, I'll go, I would say Andy Pettit, but Andy Pettit, I think, was with the Astros at that time in 04. Yeah, it was the Yankees. Mike Messina. Mike Messina, yeah. He took the loss. Wow. Damn, that was just a good guess right there. Oh, yeah. But, um, but Tampa Bay, I mean, the Astros had played over there at the Trop, and they did lose both their games, I believe, in 2018 or 2019, one of them games, uh, one of them series in that year. But I think, like you said, you, you take your chances in Minnesota. You did play good against the Texas Rangers this season, especially right now with the Rangers. There's a possibility, Angel. Max Scherzer could come back. There is a, there's like that, I, I would say a 40 60. 40% given it that he could, and 60% okay. saying it, it won't happen. But there is a good possibility Max Scherzer could come back uh, for the season, a pitch in the postseason. Of course, with the age of starting rotation, how it looks, you got John Gray, Nathan Uvalde, Jordan Montgomery, and um, your Max Scherzer pitches. I mean, you got him. But the bullpen is the wink. The weak link for the Texas Rangers. They they they're just not that good in the bullpen. I don't know how they've been down the stretch, but as of now, looking at the you know the bullpen ERA, it's not the best in the American League. So you do take your chances against the Rangers, especially Astro fans. They do travel well. Arlington's not a far drive. That could be an incredible series to watch and witness because the Astros and Rangers never played a playoff game against each other. This oh, would wow. be the first time in oh, organizational history because, I mean, all uh, th through the years, I mean, the Astros were in the National League. So. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, but ALCS, too, you match that up. If the Astros do move on through where it's ranking right now, they could possibly play the either the Tampa Bay Rays or because I, I firmly believe I think it could be Tampa Bay and Baltimore, but. Tampa Bay or Baltimore could be in the ALCS, and that's where you would go if the Astros do make that push. But you got to think about it too. The Astros have been a great team on the road. They thrive under pressure for some reason. I don't know why, especially during this time when a postseason berth hasn't been clinched yet. But you got to like the chances of the Astros, um, you know, down the stretch right now. Let's move on to the next scenario that we have. Yes, I don't know if you if the audience could see in this little screen that we have, but this is to show the American League West how the Astros could, could clinch the AL West or a wild card spot. We did get this from Austin Corey on Twitter, so shout out to him uh, just being able to share this information with the audience that Astro fans or whatever baseball fans are listening to the podcast. So, looking at our at our list on our outline, Angel. If the Mariners win four, the Astros win three, the Astros will claim the ALS. If the Mariners win three and the Astros win their whole three, the Astros clinch the American League West. Uh, I mean, there, there's just a lot of scenarios. A, uh, Astros win two. The strong category would be Astros win two, Mariners win four, Mariners win three, Mariners win two, Mariners win one, Mariners don't win at all. The Astros will still clinch, um, clinch a playoff berth and be in that second spot in the American League West. Astros win one. You have to think about that part. If the Mariners win four, the Astros are out. Mariners win three, and the Astros win one. They're out of the playoffs because the Mariners do have the tiebreaker against the Astros. But if the Mariners win two, if they win one, or if they don't win at all, and the Astros just win one game, they clinch that wild card spot, aren't, and they will be the second place winner in the AL in the AL West. And then, lastly, the Astros win nothing; they get swept at Arizona, which hopefully that does not happen because the Astros need to continue playing their best baseball. 
But if that does happen, they don't win no games over there in Phoenix. Mariners win four, Mariners win three. And if the Mariners win two, the Astros are out of the playoffs. And if, like I said, the Astros don't win no games, they get swept. And if the Mariners win one and the Mariners win zero, like no games at all, the Astros will clinch the wild card and the final wild card spot in the American League. A lot of scenarios right there, Angel. If you're looking at that graph, uh, if if you if you're not looking at the graph on our YouTube channel, like I said, this was from Austin Corey on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. It was a great job on him to put out this diagram because it just makes it look easier and it doesn't strain your eyes as much trying to figure out, okay, well, what happens if this team and this team loses and the Astros win? Well, it gives you the whole thing right there. So shout out to Mr. Austin Corey for that. But Angel, I mean, what do you, what realistically you see the Astros doing in this position? Okay, before I answer that question, I just want to let the audience know of how crucial that game three game was because if you notice, yeah. if you look at the graph, Mariners are hoping and praying. Like, they have to win. Like, like if I'm the Mariners, I'm like, I'm winning four because mm-hmm. if I don't win four, I have to hope and pray this scenario happens. So, but what most likely happens, what I think, I think the Astros win too. I think the Astros win too because again, Arizona's like they're not gonna let up. They're like, well, like they're fighting for a wild card spot as well. So mm-hmm. it might be hard. So I think the Astros win too. So I am saying that the AOS champions will be the Texas Rangers, right? Mm-hmm. I'm hoping for three, but I think like realistically, Astros have a potential to win two. And if they win two, I mean, it doesn't matter what the Mariners do because the Astros yeah. will be a wild card spot. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I mean, there is hope that they can win the American League West. But at the same time, too, it, it's a little bit more difficult. You just need to punch your ticket in. Just see, just watch how the Philadelphia Phillies did it last year. They were a wild card team. They beat the Braves. They beat the Padres. Uh, well, actually, they beat St. Louis first, then the Braves, which are the defending world champions of that year, and then the Padres for the NLCS to go to the World Series. That's all you need. You just need to you know, punch your ticket in, and anything can happen. 2019 national vibes right there as well. Remember, that was a wild card team that won the World Series against the Astros at home. So anything can happen in this game. That, that's the beauty of this sport of baseball, that anything can happen. You saw with the, the 2019 Nationals, I mean, they had three phenomenal pitchers. You had Max Scherzer, you had Steven Strasburg, and you had Patrick Gor- uh, Corbin. Anything could happen. I mean, the Astros do have two great, um, you know, starting pitchers. After that, it's kind of a toss-up in the air. If Christian Javier could continue pitching like he's been pitching, uh, not from the other start against Seattle, but, you know, then past two other starts, anything could happen in this game. But them are the scenarios right there, like I said before. Um with the Toronto Blue Jays, they are 87-71. The Astros are 87-72. They have a game today against the Yankees. We're recording on a Thursday night. And then they have a three-game series against the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, which they are still trying to get that spot in the American League East. I don't know um, you know, how many games back they are, but I believe it's still close. At least a game, I would say. But, Andrew, you got anything else before we move on and go with our preview? No. We did a, I, I think you did a phenomenal job on that. Thank you. Thank you. I tried. I mean, that, that last <laughs> that last photo, I hope everybody could see because what we're looking at, it looked pretty small. So, if you like I said, if you can't find it, go onto X or on Twitter and put at Austin Corey, C-O-R-Y. Did a great job on that diagram. Shout out to you, sir. And thank you for letting us use it. But let's get that preview against the Arizona Dimebacks. This is the last series of the 2023 season. Another crucial series for the Houston Astros if they are going to want to punch their ticket to the 2023 postseason. D-backs are 84 and 74. They're second in the NL West. As of right now, like we were talking about, and you saw in the diagram, uh, well, actually the playoff bracket, they are second in the NL wild card, and they just won the series against the Chicago White Sox. They did lose that last game of that series finale, but they did win the series against the Sox. But very crucial series for both teams. Friday night is the stage and the spotlight. You got J.P. France, 840 start time. You got France on the mound for the Astros, 11-6 with a 383 ERA. He'll be going against, 
a Cy Young candidate in Zach Gallen. 17 and 8 with a 349 ERA. Angel, that is a tough task for this Astros yeah. offense. But JP France, on the other hand, he is a great pitcher. Uh, his last outing versus Kansas City did a good job. Five innings, seven hits, two earned runs, one walk, five strikeouts. He did throw 91 pitches. 58 of them were strikes. But he has struggled these past two months. I mean, it hasn't been pretty for him after, you know, when he made his major league debut in May. June and July were good months for him, but has struggled these past two months in August and September. August, he was 3-2 and two with a 5.92 ERA. He had a 2.91 opponent batting average. September. He was one in one. Well, he's one in one with a 575 ERA and a 286 opponent batting average. It is very crazy because at a time he was at a 190 something in one of those months. But the plus thing for Mr. France, Mr. Jonathan Patrick, is he is six and two on the road. He has a 311 ERA. He is a road warrior, but his last two road starts have not been good. Sadly, it's not been good for the stash on his last two uh, on the road in Texas. He pitched five innings, six hits, five earned runs, three walks, five strikeouts. And then his last start on the road against Kansas City, four and a third, five hits, five earned runs, four walks, zero strikeouts. You see that pattern right there, them last two starts. I mean, the walks were big. The key for him and to end the season on a good note, especially his rookie season on a great and high note, limit the walks. That is the number one thing for France in this game. If you limit the walks, you make the um, you know, you make the batters put the ball in play, pop-ups, fly balls, strikeouts, pop-outs, ground balls, anything like that. Let them put the ball in play. You have a you have a good defense, I guess you could say, behind you. I mean, the Astros are still good. And defend the ball, even though that last series they did have three errors in one game. But I'd say Max, you gotta, you know, in in his pitching stat, you gotta give up three walks max. That's it. You can't give up four, you can't give up five, because after that, you're looking at five to six to seven or runs in a game. Zach Allen, on the other hand, Angel, I mean, we've heard this guy numerous times through the National League. He, he was a finalist or close to a finalist. I know a top five in the Cy Young last year. But last outing against the Yankees, six innings, three hits, zero runs, two walks, eight strikeouts. His last start versus Houston, you got to go back to last year. Uh, he had seven innings, six hits, two earned runs, one walk, six strikeouts. Chaz McCormick was the only one that got the two runs on the board for him off of a two-run homer. Home games this year. My God, this stat is crazy. He is 12 and 2 at Chase Field with a 245 ERA and a 227 opponent batting average. That, that is scary wow. to go yeah. over there to their ballpark if you're the opposing team and you got to face a Cy Young candidate like Gallon. But there is hope and there is a positive, positive sign to see out of this. He has struggled in September this month. He has gone three and two with a 4.45 ERA and a 2.50 opponent batting average. Angel, what do you think the Astros' offense has to do? Because there's a strong possibility, which I, I, I'm. This is my opinion. I hope and I, I believe that they should bring Michael Brantley into the lineup for these last three games. Yiner Diaz could be a possibility to start this game as well. What do you think the Astros' offense could look like going into the game one against the D-backs? I feel like you have to put your best offense foot, foot forward. And honestly, I think I can look two ways. I think Dusty Baker finally put the best offense on the field in game three. Now, mm-hmm. I know people are going to say, like, well, March Monado was in there. Well, as much as I am a Yanni Diaz believer, those had <laughs> those had bats in the second game. Like, that was, like, that's the rookie in him coming out, right? I feel like he didn't look comfortable yeah. in there. Uh, he had bases loaded. And mm-hmm. he struck out on zero balls in the strike zone. He chased every single one of them. So it's at bats like that that kind of limit Yanni Diaz. That you know, like if I'm a co- like honestly, if I'm a coach, I see that I'm just like, like you kind of want to talk to him, right? So you want to put you know the best chance to give you. And honestly, that like, you know this debate can go on and on, but that lineup's gonna look like it did in Game Three because the Mariners or Game Two against the Mariners. I feel like with now the only thing could be like Chaz is gonna be in there. Now it's just between either Marshall Dubon or, uh, or Michael Brandy because like I think that's the only difference. Like one of that. So and then obviously Yanni Diaz and Martin Manana, but it's gonna be one of those lineups. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm not nothing against Yonder Diaz at all. He's had a great season. He is ranked yeah. second in rookies in franchise history with the home run, uh, yeah. with 24 or 23 home runs in the regular season. Credit to the kid. The kid had what 80 something games, two under his belt, and he's still hitting the ball pretty good. Yeah. But like you said, Angel, I mean, that first that bat against the Mariners with bases loaded, two outs, that that is postseason environment right there. And like you said, zero balls in the strike zone. He chased and whiffed after every single pitch that I believe George Kirby was on the mound. So I agree. Martin Maldonado is probably going to have to catch these last three games. There's, a, like I said, possibility Diaz does catch the game against France, but you got to go with your best offense. Yes, Diaz has been good, but at the same time, too, I don't think he is postseason ready, I, I would say. Like I said, my thoughts, my opinion. Um, I, I don't know if it's the jitters in him or if it's just the excitement, too, that builds upon you and you're just, you know, trying to do as much as you can for your team. Now, there is a there is a like a good note out of that. So like what like you hinted on, that was a postseason at bat, right? Race is loaded. Mm-hmm. Like like your team needs you two outs. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. So that is a postseason at bat. But the silver lining is that it happened now. Like it yeah. happened in a regular season. So I feel like now that was one of the big moments of his career so far, I would say, like off, uh, offensively wise. Now he's got it out the way. So maybe in the playoffs mm-hmm. or, you know, against the Arizona series, he's like, all right, I need, you know, I, I did it. It's, like, it's nothing new. I'm ready to go now. So maybe we can see that change as well. Yeah. And like and Diaz has done a good job too, even at some of his at-bats. He's taken some pitches. And that's the thing. You just got to take pitches that are not in the strike zone. Gallon, he's going to throw, you know, he's going to throw the kitchen sink at you. He's going to throw everything that he can to make you chase, do whatever he can, look at his scouting report. And then you got to remember who's on the other side of being that pitching coach. Brad Strom. He knows the Astros hitters. He was with the Astros for a while. So, I mean, it's going to be a crucial series. I'd say, like you said, Chas McCormick, Mauricio Dubon, but me firmly, I think you got to put Michael Brantley in every single game. Hopefully, uh, Uncle Mike is feeling well, but at the same time, too, you got to put in your best hitters, like you said, your best offense. So, Friday's matchup, very crucial. Moving on to Saturday, 7-10 start time. You got Justin Verlander for the Astros, 12-8 with a 3.32 ERA. And Arizona has yet to say who's going to be determined that game. So if Arizona wins on Friday night, then they'll be throwing somebody else. But if the Astros win Friday night, you're possibly going to see Merrill Kelly, which is their, their second best starting pitcher in that rotation for the Diamondbacks. So I'm I'm just going to put his stats out there just you know, for the heck of it, because at the same time, too, no one's going to know what he pitches. Excuse me. Merrill Kelly, 12 and 7 with a 338 ERA. JV, like we talked about and you said it before, Angel, vintage Verlander in that game. Eight innings, three hits, zero earned runs, one walk, eight strikeouts. He will be pitching on four days rest. Does it affect him? Not really, because he's been doing that for a good while now, ever since returning to Houston. He's done it multiple times this season, uh, four or five days rest. It doesn't matter. JV is still going to pitch out there when the game matters. So moving on to Merrill Kelly, last outing against the Yankees. Five innings, four hits, two and runs, two walks, five strikeouts. His last two starts have been good as well. You combine those starts together, he went 11 and two-thirds, seven hits, three earned runs, five walks, 10 strikeouts. His last start versus Houston, you got to go back to last season as well. He went five and a third, three hits, zero earned runs, two walks, six strikeouts. Another guy that likes pitching at Chase Field is Kelly. Five and four, 270 ERA with an opponent batting average of 182. Very important for the lefties to look at him, Alvarez, Tucker, Brantley, because he has given up more home runs and more earned runs to left-handed hitters than he has done to right-handed hitters. Very important for this offense to be clicking in all cylinders against Kelly. Take advantage of the mistakes he's pitched in the strike zone. Make him pay. Anything else you want to add on, Angel? No, um, I would say is to pick on that uh, on that fastball. He does have a negative three run value on it, and he's going to try to get you with that changeup. So he's a fastball changeup type of guy. His changeup is an 18 run value. So that's elite, elite change of that is great. So, <laughs> yeah. But the rest of the pitches, 
four seam pass ball, negative three. Cutter, zero. Sinker, one. Curveball, negative two. Side of negative two. So you know what you're getting when you see Merrill Cutty. It's going to be that fast. He's going to throw you that fast by the setup, that changeup. It's just your job to get that fast ball when it comes. You know, I would say Ready be aggressive. Butter. Yeah. Be aggressive. Ready and butter. when you see it, swing it. Exactly. Bread and butter is that fastball and changeup mix. And like you were saying, I mean, the Astros did see a great fastball pitcher in Bryce Miller. Miller threw that fastball high in the zone, in the strike zone, a bunch of times to the Astros hitters. And finally, somebody capitalized and it was Alvarez. So after that, I mean, who was it? I think it was Alvarez, Tucker came up, and then I think Jose Abreu walked. That set up everything for Mauricio Dubon. Put the pressure, make him throw that fastball in the strike zone. If not, they're going to make mistakes, just like Miller did against Dubon. He threw a sweeper that did not break, and that was right down the middle, flat, for Dubon to take it to left. So, like you were saying, dude, be aggressive on that fastball. If you don't be aggressive on the fastball, it's going to be a long night. He's going to throw that changeup and hit the mistakes. If you're saying with all the negative run value with the other pitches he thrown, it could be a possibility he's going to be doing the same thing in this in this game on Saturday night if if he pitches. Yeah, I mean, and and he will he will pitch. It's just a matter of Saturday or Sunday. He will. Yeah. So speaking of Sunday, I mean, both teams don't even know who they're going to throw. It's a two ten start time, but in my opinion, and I've been a firm believer for about two podcast episodes now, Angel, I could see Jose Arquiti taking that nod. If it's not him, I think it's going to be Christian Javier. Um, Javier Gonzalez, one of the Astros writers, did ask Dusty Baker if Hunter Brown was going to come in. You even mentioned it last episode, too. And he said, I don't think so, or we will see. I don't know. So I I, I don't think, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't see Hunter Brown being in this spot on a Sunday game, in a crucial game especially, to be in a position like that. So It could also be but for the- like those two guys you mentioned. It could be like, you know how they did it with Charlie Moore and Lance McCutters. Like, you know, they just, oh, yeah. you know. Piggyback each other. each other. Yeah. So, but, but they have to be ready. Yeah, definitely. D backs, we don't know either who they're going to throw. I mean, uh, what, what's that guy you got on your fantasy baseball team? Where, where are we going on fantasy talk? Uh, it's P F A A D T. I don't even know how oh, to say that name, honestly. Pafond. Yeah. We're going to get the Google pronunciation on that one. I mean, I don't know if Webster's Dictionary has the pronunciation. I, I highly doubt it. But um, he's pitched, I believe, on Tuesday night's game. So I don't think the Astros see him. But I wouldn't doubt if he does come in that game on Sunday. I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. So I don't have him on my fantasy side, so I don't know how he's. Pro- you probably did at the time. I'm just gonna say that. I mean, we're okay. we're adding and dropping on waivers, but it's all right. You gotta do hey, what you can to get the championship. The championship is a championship, so I'm trying. Exactly, but, but serious, very crucial series, very crucial series for the Astros, even for the Arizona Diamondbacks as well. If they both can scratch each other's back and try to put both of them in the the postseason, by all means, do it. But to me, I think the Astros got to win both games. They got to take the series. If they could sweep the series, by all means, perfect. But that, that's my logic about this series. Yeah. And and there's a chance, like you said, he pitched on the 27th. What that's on that Sunday? Sunday would be what? The, mm-hmm. the second? About four days. Oh, so, yeah. There's a chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so, moving know. on, it's time for our MVPs and our hot takes. So I'm going to keep it simple. Keep it simple. MVP, Gordon, he did well in Seattle. I think he continues to do well, especially in hitter-friendly chase field. That ball likes to travel, and you know who likes making balls travel is Jordan Alvarez. So potentially could see a home run or two. JP France. The reason why JP France might pitch MVP is because the Astros need him, and he's been consistent, and he needs a little rebound, especially going to the playoffs, get that confidence boost up. So – I like him in this matchup. And then my hot take, I think this is a hot take that most Astros fans are praying for and lighting up those candles with Altuve and Jordan on them. So it'd be Astros clinch a world, a a postseason spot, a postseason spot. Because I don't know, there's a chance they can still win the division, right? So it'll be a postseason spot. I agree. I think every 
Houstonian is going to light up a candle that night or even this series, just every day. I think they're going to light it because it is very important. It's very important. So, but my, uh, my offensive pitching and hot takes from last week. I mean, last series real quick, your did a great job. Phenomenal job. That home run 116.2 miles per hour off the bat. My gosh. And everybody just like got out the way in center field. I don't know if you saw it, but like, a missile, literally the Cuban missile right there. That is the definition of a Cuban missile was that Jordan Alvarez home run for his 30th or 31st, I believe, in his career. Bullpen was the pitching MVP for me last series, and I did hit it right on the coffin. Nail on the coffin right there. Bullpen did a phenomenal job. And then the Astros sweep the Mariners at T-Mobile Park. Very close, but hey, you take what you could get, and that was a winning series at Seattle. So oh, this I is the last. Three. You went three for three. Astros, I'll hit the Mariners. Yeah, you did. Uh, how how long has it been since you had a three for three? It's been a while. It's been a while. Hey, welcome to the club. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, this is our last offensive pitching MVPs and hot take for the regular season. Uh, so, got to end it strong, Angel. Hopefully, we ended strong. Hopefully, both of our everything goes three for three on this. Tucker's going to be my offensive MVP. There was two situations in the game. This past series that Alvarez got walked twice and and Kyle Tucker didn't capitalize on two of them occasions. He did pop up to left uh, shallow left field and he did, I believe, pop up to center field. I, I'm not 100 percent sure on that second one, but I do remember the shallow one and left. Take advantage of these mistakes and on a good high note because Kyle Tucker hasn't had a great month of September, but. And on a good note, so King Tuck is the MVP for me on that. Brian Abreu, I'm sticking to the bullpen, baby. I'm sticking to that bullpen. I believe he's going to get that record and break Ryan Stan, uh, Ryan Stanek's 70, 27 and a third inning scoreless streak. Mark my words right here on this podcast, Angel, because I think that's going to be broken because Brian Abreu has had a phenomenal and a fantastic regular season for the Astros this year. And then. The hot take. You did go with the Astros clinching a playoff berth in the postseason. I'm going to go still with the series, and I think somebody could break some history. I said, Brian Abreu, how about Kyle Tucker? Kyle Tucker hasn't had a 30-30 season yet this in his career. He could become the first Astro to do it. And I would say this is the hot take. I believe he does get it. 30 home runs, 30 stolen bases. And we'll join Jeff Bagwell as the only Astros to do it. And Bags did it in 1997 and 1999. Kyle Tucker is 29 home runs and 29 stolen bases. It's possible. It is very possible that he breaks it this series um, against the Arizona Diamondbacks. What do you think? I mean, Chase Field, I mean, to hit his ballpark is big, but that ball travels and I can see it. I can see Gabby it. Moreno, I mean, too, a rookie catcher behind the plate. It'd be a little different. Like, Zach Adams a lefty, right? No, righty. Righty? Oh, okay. Because I think yeah. he was a lefty. I was like, like, it might be a little harder, but I mean, if he's a righty, do it. Take it. Try, try to jump on them starting pit, and especially a guy like Gallen. The Astros did a phenomenal job against Luis Castillo, and that's a Cy Young candidate for this year's. Uh, yeah. Uh, American League award. I could think you could do the same thing against Zach Gallen. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, I mean, we'll see. Hopefully, we're three for three again, and you know that's what we hope for. But we went on to our over and unders, and usually we do some like Astros and then some, you know, like some players, right? But this time, mm-hmm. the Astros are going to win this series. It's going to be a all team effort. So all the over numbers are going to be Astros either pitching, bullpen, and offense because it's going to be a full again. It's going to be a full effort. So the first one, Astros starting pitching allowed less than six runs in the series. This is a starting pitcher. So it does not include bullpen. So okay. Astros starting pitching allows less than six runs in the series against Seattle. They allowed seven runs. KC fourteen runs. Baltimore eleven runs. Damn, KC fourteen. Fourteen, yeah. That was bad. Wow. I'm, I'm a little shocked about that. But, yeah, um, I'm going to go over, dude. I mean, yeah. I like to see some numbers go 2-2-2 two, two, and two, or 2-2-1. Two, two, and one. But this Arizona Diamondbacks offense is the real deal. Corbin Carroll, one of the most 
prolific hitters in the National League rookies of you know this year, and just really in the he's even in the MVP conversation, I believe. Like that is crazy. His first year in the league, um, but he's one of the best hitters. You got Christian Walker, who's had a great season for the Diamondbacks as well. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. just getting his first All Star bid this year. They they got a lot of great hitters, so I, I do respect them. I can maybe see seven, possibly eight, okay. but six. Ah, oh man, uh, you gotta you better pray and hope that everybody is you know, locked and loaded in that starting rotation. Okay, I can see that. Again, and then Car- uh, Corbin Carroll, I don't know if you saw, I was either today or yesterday. He got a triple and like he was flying. I think it was like five, six seconds. He had, or like, or like in, yeah, like seven seconds. He got a triple like easily. That sounds so. like my 60 right there. <laughs> That's just going from home plate to first base. <laughs> You're racing in high school trying to do that. My gosh, seven seconds from home to third. It's impossible, seven, dude. Yeah, something like that. I had to double check. I, I'd say seventeen, if anything, but seven. My gosh, like you got to be an insane freak to be going that fast down. Yeah, you know, from home plate. Like to I could third. be wrong. Like I could be wrong. Oh, okay. So this one's no. And I said it. All right, I, I would have to look later, but but he but he's done it in ten point seven seconds. He, he's fast, though. He, he yeah. he's fast. Let's just so, say that. No, yeah. So. Last year, he actually had a triple in 10.75 seconds. That's just insane. That's just, that's like, that's, okay, if you would think, real quick, we're getting off topic, but I got to ask this. The Flash or Corbin Carroll wins that race at Truist Park, you think? Who who would win? Carroll, easily. (laughs) Easily. I mean, the the Flash has made some people fall down. No, I know. Okay, Okay, how about you saying Bolt? Oh, I mean, obviously, he'll be Usain Bolt, right? But no, yeah. I mean, Duke can run. Duke yeah. can run. So Special. I'm actually going to give it to you right now. So I put up StatCast. I'm just waiting to it for load. So his triple, just to get, you know, because I don't want the fans thinking, you know, he's supersonic and ran in seven seconds. But <laughs> I'm just waiting. But it, again, it was quick. But I'll get it to you in a bit. So let me see. It was... Give me a second. Just give me the exit velocity, which I don't care about. So, okay, home to third. Yeah, ten point eight five seconds. His sprint speed was twenty nine point seven feet per second. That's just not fair. It's just <laughs> not, dude. That that's my god. I wonder how like how fast these running backs at the combine, or not even running backs, but just even NFL combine players running in their forty. I mean, it's like a four something or five something. This guy's well, getting down to fir- to home to third in ten. That's yeah. that's just insane. And then tw- and twenty nine point seven feet per second. So that's like kind of like a football running back. Like I think uh, Field Yates posted that Raheem Oster, uh, Tyreek Hill, like they're mm-hmm. running twenty nine point five seconds, like yeah. feet per second. So hey, Miami, like in the off season, if you know uh, Deion Sanders did it, Tyreek Hill, running back. Yeah, Corbin Carroll right there for I mean Arizona needs all the help they can get. You said Deion Sanders. <laughs> he played baseball. I know he played baseball, but I mean that's been a while. Yeah, that's been a while. I mean I mean I mean I feel like Corbin Carroll's a little small, right? But you know, just, I mean, he has this athlete, let's just say that. Yeah, I mean he's athlete. just an athlete. My gosh. All right. So so we both went over. Uh, oh, I'll go over on this one too. So they uh, yeah, I think over as well. I think six is, is tough. I mean, it's doable. It's tough, though. The next one. Astros bullpen limits the Astro- Arizona offense to less than five hits. Let me give you some background on this one. Seattle, they only allowed eight hits. KC, one hit. Baltimore, 16 hits. So, I, I can go this one first, and I'm going to gamble. I'm going to say okay, under. Okay. Uh, under five hits. Oh, that's what I was going to go to, actually. I was going to go okay. under as well. This bullpen has done a phenomenal job down the stretch. I mean, KC, we talked about last episode. You only gave up one hit in a three-game series. That's insane. And Kate, in the, in the starting pitching, gave up 14 runs if, in the last over-under we just said. That, that's just – that's why I said this bullpen has been 
doing a great job this 2023 regular season. So, yeah, I'll go under with you on this. I, th- I could see less than five hits. If anything, it could be at five. If it does get five, I don't even do. Do we still get the point, you think? Nah, it don't work like that. I'm always getting confused with this. I'm always getting confused. <laughs> That's why I don't do parlays when we go yeah. go out. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> All right, next one. Again, this will be all team because it'll be a team effort. Astros often scores more than 13 runs this series. Against Seattle, they scored 15. KC, 12. And Baltimore, 14. I'll go over. This is crucial. This series with is Zach very Gallen, crucial. Merrill Kelly on with the Zach Gallen and Merrill Kelly, yes. I'm saying it right now here for everybody listening on the pod. I do think they will go over 13 runs. I could be wrong. I could be wrong because them are two great pitchers. And I already said, Gallon Cy Young. Kelly's had a great season for the Diamondbacks. But with the Astros' backs against the walls, they're going to do whatever they can to get a postseason berth, either in the wild card or either getting the AOS. You never know what can happen in this game. So I do firmly believe that they could score some runs on Zach Gallon, especially if they did it against Luis Castillo. You got to feel optimistic they could do it against Zach Gallon. So I'll, I'll go over 13. So you took my argument right out of what I was gonna say. I was um, gonna say like, <laughs> if they did it against this Castillo, they can do it against that guy. So I was gonna go. Sorry, over sorry. Well. You, you, no, you, you, you can say it as well. You could. You save me some some breath. So you good. Uh, I'm gonna go over as well. And then lastly, this is be a new one. Astros hey, I'm a new often, one on the last the last time the we're last doing this. Yeah, Astros often bats more than two fifty as a team. They're Season average is two fifty nine. Hmm. I, More than two fifty batting average. Yeah, I would have put the whole thing. I didn't want to go and calculate every single one. So I just give you the, uh, show, the show us that math major in you. <laughs> show us your calculus pre cal, uh, well, uh, college algebra kind of thing right there. Show us, show us. But um, I, I think you'll go over. It, like the Astros, the the offense last lineup. In on Wednesday's game, they everybody got a hit, which is great. Mart, Martin Maldonado went three for seven or three for ten in this series against the Mariners. I, I could see it happening. Like I said, if I said they're going to score um, uh, plus 13 runs or at 13, I think they could do that to scoring, not scoring, but having a, a batting average over 250. I think so too. So I guess I can't. Catch up to you because I mean I agree with you on all of them. So congratulations. Um, there, there are some some bold ones you didn't want to take. Yeah. Some bold ones you didn't want to take. Yeah, I guess I'm I'm looking like I'm the winner here. Uh, I, I took this one from Angel and Enrique Cruz, which I haven't had him in a while. I, mean, I think he's, no. he's pretty busy right now. You know, there's nothing wrong with being busy. Being but now nah, I'm just yeah doing Cruz Baseball Academy. So shout out to them kids out there. And whatever, and what he's doing for them. But Angel, this could be our possible last regular. Well, this is the last regular season uh, preview we're doing and things like that. So we'll just have to see. If everything goes all well, we proceed. And if we don't, then we will have another uh, episode with the recap of the 2023 regular season, but follow us at full steam ahead on Twitter X, whatever you want to call that app and on TikTok, full steam ahead, scratch our new YouTube channel, which we did get three new, new subscribers, angel. Pretty like nice. I like, like it. I like it. So shout out to everybody that's listened to us and follow us on that new channel. This is our first year doing it. So we really appreciate y'all support. Uh, FSA full steam ahead on Instagram threads. You already know we still there. We're living it up down there and follow us at your, wherever you get your podcast platforms from Spotify to Apple to Google, but angel, anything else before we sign off on episode one thirty three? No, appreciate it. Again, it's a long season. Uh, appreciate all those faithful listeners that are listening to our podcast each time it is out or even when you have a yeah. chance. So, you know, appreciate yeah, the love so and support. Yeah. Yes, a round of applause to y'all for sticking with us and listening to us throughout the regular season. We hope we gave you the best content, baseball, Astros content out there. But like we just said, well, like I just said, I mean, this could be the possible last preview we do and talk about the regular season overall in the next episode. Or 
like um, that the Wolf of Wall Street, like DiCaprio says, the show goes on. The show goes on. Maybe the Astros do clinch a spot in the postseason. It could be a wild card. It could be an ALDS uh, matchup. We don't know what they'll do, but we will let you know what happens. If we do go into the playoff situation, um, Angel, I, I think we'll, we might record it every single game, every night, just just depending. So we'll have to see. Look at them eyes. My gosh. Look at them beautiful brown eyes right there. We'll see. We'll, we'll talk about it until then. We'll let you all know what happens. But have a magnificent weekend. Have a fantastic Friday. Stay safe out there. Like I said, never know what can happen in the last series of the season. But till then, we appreciate all support and loyalty. Be safe. Have a good one. Peace.